Hey there, everybody. I'm Donnie Spano. And um, as your brother, I'm so thankful to come to you live here. And together we can go ahead and, and get into the Word of God. So go ahead and get your Bible out. And let's go through these scriptures together. Let's allow allow God to minister to us in these, these times. And uh, if you would, let's release faith and let's pray. Let's seek His help in this. Father, we do come to you. Together we're asking for your help. We're asking, Father, for your spirit to help us speak this right and hear this well, that we would um, have eyes to see it, Father, ears to hear, hearts and minds to understand and to perceive, that we would not leave anything um, uh, kept back, Father, that you have purposed and sent forth to us here in your word. But, Father, we ask that as you help us in this time to come, you'd grace us, Father, to be doers of these words and enable us, Father, to be led of your Spirit as we go from this point, Father, that we um, glorify you and be blessed in all we do. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. So, give you a moment. We're going to start and we're going to look at Acts, the fourth chapter. We're going to look at verses 32 and 33, and we'll put it up on the screen there for you as well. And... Um, Hallelujah. Here we're going to talk about what is a very foundational point of the church, which is that there is great grace upon all. Uh, immediately, when the church was, uh, I guess you could say, birthed and came into being, immediately the grace of God was on them. And the grace of God enabled that their numbers in the church increased by thousands. And they had this power to be witnesses right from the start. Now, there are so many in our places that don't have good church. They don't have good places to meet. If they do, there's a lot of religion. It's not relationship with God the Father, with the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's not a true uh, enlightening and true fellowship. And there's a big difference between going to a church and knowing God. I mean, the Pharisees, they were so adamant that Jesus was so far from God. And yet he told them that they did not receive God because they didn't receive him. And this is so true in our days today that just because people go to a church, they think that they are secure. And it's not the case. If there's no relationship with the Master, the Lord Jesus, there's no salvation. It is in and through Him alone. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you want the life, come to Him. There's no other way. And so let's look here. I think that gave you time to get to the 32nd verse. And it says, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul, Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Now, in our last message, we touched on grace through faith, and we talked about this connection, that the very faith that we have as believers was God-given. It's his faith. It's the measure of faith, Romans 12 says, that he has committed to us. 
Now what you and I do with that measure of faith determines will it grow? Will our trust and reliance upon God increase or will it stay stagnant and not move? And it's the same way with the grace of God. God has given of His grace, but you and I have the option to allow it to sit there and be unused and not useful. Now let's see that principle there in Hebrews 12 is where we're going to go. It tells us through these scriptures that we can fail of the grace of God. Hebrews 12 verse 14 and fail of God's grace. Now see there's aspect of grace that many have believed and it's been taught that it's not up to you. That no matter what you do, God in His grace has done this, so it's already done. And there is aspect of that that's truth. But you know, you and I have an enemy that likes to pervert, he likes to twist, and so he'll take a truth and he'll twist it. And he'll say, just because God has given all that's ever needed, there's nothing on your part to do. And this is where a lot of people believe these thoughts, such as, you know, if it happens or if it doesn't, it's the will of God. Whatever will be, will be. That's not entirely true. And it's based on this kind of belief that God in His grace has done everything, so you and I don't have to do anything. And it brings to mind whether we pray or whether we don't, it's going to happen or it won't. And it, what it is, is it's a way for you and I to live in the flesh and over-spiritualize things. We can say things like that trying to be spiritual, but in all actuality, we're not trusting in anything. There's no word that we're based on. You find those kinds of things that prove that thought, that prove whether it happens or whether it doesn't, it's the will of God. Prove that out through the word, through the, through the Holy Bible. But I believe we'll see, and we're going to look at it here, Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verses 14 and we're going to look 14 through 17 and we'll see here follow peace with all and holiness without which no one shall see the Lord follow peace follow holiness right looking diligently lest any fail of the grace of God so why would it say that unless it's possible is it possible for Christians to fail of God's grace? The answer is yes. The answer is it is entirely possible that God be great and gracious and His people not respond and actually fail of that grace. Now I'm going to read it to you in the Amplified Classic and it says here in that translation, Exercise foresight and be on the watch to look after one another, to see that no one falls back from and fails to secure God's grace, His unmerited favor and spiritual blessing, in order that no root of resentment, of rancor, bitterness, or hatred shoots forth and causes trouble and bitter torment, and the many become contaminated and defiled by it. Now we'll go back to the King James and it says, looking diligently lest any fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble, and thereby many be defiled. One of the key characteristics of knowing whether someone has, is failing of God's grace 
is bitterness. It's a very easy place. Now, bitterness, what is it? It's a mixture of sadness and anger. And you find discontentment in the midst of it. And the scriptures in Romans tell us that there's all joy and peace in believing in Romans 15. If there's all joy and peace in believing, you find absolutely no bitterness. Bitterness is a doubtful, disbelieving. It is... Oh, thank you, Father. And yet the scriptures are telling us it's entirely possible for you and I who have received. It didn't say we didn't receive the grace. We received the grace and actually be bitter ones, bitter people, and fail of that grace we received. It came to us. We have no excuse for not having the ability to do it. Because the grace is God's power. It's His ability. It is His unmerited favor that causes us to be made right in Him. But it is. That power of salvation is the same power that's going to help you say it the way you need to say it. And do it the way it needs to get done. His grace is more than enough to accomplish and conquer any problem in this earth. His grace. And that can come to us and we go, oh, okay. And completely let it loose. Completely refuse to use it. Let it be nothing. Right? You know, the love of God and His faith is actually given by grace. And yet it's possible we can go our whole life long and not trust Him at all. And not love and keep the love command at all. He won't demand it of us. It is a directive. But He will not enforce us to do it. So He'll give us that grace and go, okay. It's yours. Do what you will with it. See, this needs mind renewal. Because many people have thought because he's done it, it's done. It's not. Faith must put to use what God and who is love has graciously given. And God has given you the ability to speak what you need to say at your work and in your places. But he's not going to enforce you to do it. You and I are going to have to tap in by faith. Lay hold on that grace and put it to work. Thank you, Lord. Which is why we need to talk about this. Because there are many, I sensed it. As I started meditating on these over the course of these last days, over the course of time, I've, I've sensed the Lord saying this very thing. He, he has said, I, I just know it's Him. He has made many of His people rich and they're living in a poor way. And that's what you're seeing right here. When God's given His grace, His ability to do everything you and I need to do and to do it in the most incredible way possible. This world can't touch. It can put all of its resources and skills and talents together and it will not touch God's grace. And He'll pour upon us what they cannot multiply together to do. His grace is incredible. And... So let's continue and let's look at an aspect of this grace. And I've touched on it briefly in these last moments. And that is great speaking, great speech, great utterance. And now let's look here in 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter. 2 Corinthians 8, and we'll touch on this a little further. Hallelujah. Are you glad to hear more about God's grace? I mean, let's just think, do you, do you have some things you need to say in your household? 
Do you have some things you need to say on the job? You have some things you need to say to your family, you know? And, you know, you can say it in a way, and just your tone, just the way you say it, can make the difference between whether they talk to you for the next 10 years or not. Whether you keep that job or not. Whether the grace of God on your and my life is the keeping power that's going to enable us to be successful or not. So, I don't know about you, but I want to hear more. I want to tap in. And I want His grace to so flourish over me and mine like never before. So here we find, we're looking again, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 7. And then we'll come back to verses 1 and 2. But let's look at verse 7. And Paul, by the Spirit of God, said, Therefore, as you abound. So God doesn't want to just give you a little bit of His grace. He wants to abound towards you in grace. How much grace are you lacking on God's part? None. According to God, He has abounded towards you of His grace. So you're not lacking any grace in God's eyes. He said, Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, now that's the ability to speak. Um, in the Amplified, it says, in expressing yourselves. Oh my. How many times have you heard that one of the biggest issues people have had in this earth is communication? Right? If we would have just said it a little different, how much further we would have gone, right? How many problems would have been corrected? How many wars would have been avoided? How, right? Cold wars, husband and wife right there at home, right? How many of these would have been avoided if we would have just tapped into the grace and said it in His way. And it is for us. He has given it to us. Now let's continue. It says, And utterance or in expressing yourself and knowledge. There are some that say, But I can't talk like that. I can't express myself well. If you say so, it's not God's fault you're not. He's already given you His ability to, to express yourself in the right way. So, if it's not an issue with Him and His ability, where does it lie? It lies with us. We have been given the grace. Are we using the grace? Thank you, Father. And so, He continues and says, And knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. Now, let's look at verses 1 and 2. And we're going to find what grace he's talking about when he says, See that you abound in this grace also. And it says in that first verse, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit, is what the King James says. It means to know. We, we want you to know, we do you to know of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How, then it, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy. Hold on, they're being in an afflicted time. Many times when the scriptures talk about affliction, it talks about poverty. And it says, though they were in this great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded to the riches of their liberality. In the Amplified Classic, it says, For in the midst of an ordeal of severe tribulation, their abundance of joy and their depth of poverty together 
have overflowed in wealth of lavish generosity on their part. This is the grace of God. But now we're touching on great utterance, great speaking, right? Now let's look here. Um, how much time do we got? Look in here. Let's go to John chapter 7, verses 40 to 46. John 7, 40 to 46. Great grace. I want you to say this. Great grace is on me. God has abounded toward me in His great grace. Some of you did not say that. I think you need to say that. Let's, let's give you another opportunity. Great grace is upon me. God has abounded toward me in His great grace. Praise God. Now when you say that, think about you saying the right thing in the right way. Expressing yourself. Thank you, Father. So we're here in John 7, verses 40 to 46. And it says, Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said, Of a truth, this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Shall Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the Scripture said that Christ comes of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. And some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. 45th verse. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said to them, Why have you not brought him? They're talking about Jesus. Why have you not brought him? What did the officers say? The officers answered, Never man spake like this man. <laughs> Never man spake like this man. No one has ever talked like Jesus talks. No one said it like that. This is your and my master. Jesus was graced of God. Many times you'll find he spoke to them gracious words. They wondered at the gracious words which proceeded forth from him. What kind of words? Gracious words. Your words. The words God's given you. The great utterance, the great grace that's on you. People are going to look around and go, never has a woman talked like that. Wow, man, that's a manager right there. Yeah, they're talking about you and I like this. People are going, no, they ain't talking about. You need to start tapping into your faith. They ought to be talking about people like you and I like this. They ought to be saying, never have we heard anyone talk like that. Never. Why? Because great grace is upon us all. Thank you, Father. And he continued. Well, they continued. They said, never did a man speak like this. And um, where do you want me to go? Let's go on. Let's go to Acts 4, verse 1. Is that what you want, Lord? We may be going a little bit fast on that. But I'll, for time being, yeah, let's go to Acts 4, verse 1. Never has a man spoke like this, they said of Jesus. Yes, yes. Might have to condense this some, guys, but if you get the chance, I'll give you some homework. Acts 4 chapter, you're going to see this principle. Read through it. But I think for time's sake, I'm going to go up a little bit here. <laughs> Thank you, Father. 
Let's go to the 13th verse. That will key in on what we're looking at. 13th verse. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. And it says here in the 13th verse. Mm, 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 mm. Let me know when you're there. Now, it says in the 13th verse. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived, they sensed this on the inside of them. They perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They just knew inside themselves. These guys didn't go to college. They didn't get a doctorate. They don't have PhD and all these letters behind their names. This is amazing them right now. Really. They're amazed. They're going, they just knew it. They're perceiving these guys are not learned. They didn't go to school like us. They didn't train like us. They perceived they were unlearned and ignorant men. And they marveled. And they took knowledge of them, of Peter and of John, that they had been with Jesus. Why? Because the boldness, the way they spoke what they spoke, the only man that they had seen speak like this was Jesus, the man that never had spake like anyone else. He was unprecedented in how he conveyed truth with authority, with boldness, not haphazard, but not, not afraid. Willing to be led of God and speak it just as he was hearing it. This is how you and I are made. We're born after this way in which God's grace can flow through us. And people look at us and go, where in the world can they, did they learn to talk like that? How in the world can they make it sound so easy and so simple and so smooth? And it's just so practical. It's just so... How? Never have people spoke like that because of great grace upon us all. It's ours. Today, it's ours to talk like this, express ourselves like this by His grace. And they continued and said, And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Now, Peter and John are being persecuted for healing this man. I should say the Lord healing through them on this Sabbath day. And so it continued and they said, But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves. And they're, they're saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed a notable miracle has been done to them. This is the 16th verse. You don't have to go there for time's sake. I just want you to picture this. And it comes up and they, the 18th verse says, They called them and they commanded them. Don't you speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. What are we going to look at here? Boldness. What is their response? 19th verse. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken or to listen to you more than God, you judge it. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they, oh my. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them. Oh my. What are we seeing? 
We're seeing great boldness and great protection. They were unhindered by these people. They couldn't touch them. Why? Because great grace was upon them. This was how it was in Jesus' life. Time and time again, they tried to trip Jesus up in his words. Try to get him to say the wrong thing in the wrong way. And time and time again, the Spirit of God would lead him. And great grace was upon him. And they just couldn't trip him up. They couldn't do it. They couldn't get him out of being gracious. My, my, this is us, my friends. This is us. And it continued and in, in it said, So when they further threatened them, 21st verse, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people, for all men glorified God for that which was done. Hallelujah. Now let's go together in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19. Ephesians 6, 19. We're going to see that Paul actually, uh, by the Spirit of God, he, he asked the churches to pray these for him, that, that he would speak with all boldness the Word of God. And so it's a good thing that we pray these things out. Pray this for your elders. Pray this for those you're connected to. Pray this for your partners, right? That this be working in their life. And he goes and we're going to look at Ephesians six nineteen. I'm going to read the 18th verse just for to connect the thought. He said, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You and I, the way in which we ought to speak is boldly. It's how we ought to speak in this life, in these days, because of God's great grace. Now let's continue. Let's look at Colossians, the fourth chapter. Colossians 4, verse 3. Thank you, Lord. 4, 3. And here, Paul says, by the Spirit of God, in the second verse, he says, Continue in prayer. And watching the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us, that God would open to us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Thank you, Lord. He continued and said, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming, or you could say rescuing from loss, the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Is it possible that your and my speech can always be with grace? Yes. Yes. All the time. All the time in boldness. All the time in graciousness. And he continued and said that you may know how you ought to answer. How many? Every man. Every opportune time. Thank you, Father. Now, let's continue in this because we're going to build on that. Let's look at let's look at 1 Corinthians 1, verses 4 through 7 to build on that thought. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 4 through 7. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So Paul was making it very clear there. 
1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 7, and we're going to see this same principle here. And it says in the fourth verse, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God, which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you are enriched by him. And that's what couples together with what the Lord put on my heart. He said, many of my people, I've made them rich, but they're living in a poor way. So here, God has, he, Paul by the Spirit of God is thanking God for His grace, which is given by Jesus. And he continues in that thought and says that in everything you are what? Enriched. You want to know part of how God has made you and me rich? It is this grace of God. You and I are enriched by Him. It continues in the fifth verse there and says, In all utterance, you could say in expressing yourself, and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, He has. Oh, we need to see this. Who is waiting? If you and I are born again, made like Jesus, like the Christ, He's made His home in us, He has, oh my, abounded towards us so that in everything we're enriched by Him. He has already abounded towards us in this grace. The issue is not, do we have it? We have been enriched. We have been graced. There is already great grace on us now you might have to look past what it looks like right now you might think you don't realize that conversation i just had it was horrible <laughs> i know i've had some of my own i have to stir up and tap into this by faith just like anyone else and i'm believing with you that you and i have this we can we can choose on an ongoing basis go i don't care how i feel i don't care how it looks i don't care what just happened right now Father, I believe your word, and I have great grace on me, and I will speak as you help me. Now, I know we're, we're close on time. I sense we got one more verse. You think we can get one more in here? Exodus 4, verse 10. Thank you, Father. Exodus 4, verse 10. It displeases God when we fail of his grace. And we're going to see that in the life of Moses. It displeases God when we fail of His grace, when we refuse to trust, and when we refuse to use what He's given us. 4 verse 10, we'll go through verse 16. And Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since you've spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech, and I'm of a slow tongue. And the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Right? Who's given that gift? Who's given it to you? Who made man's mouth? Or who makes the dumb or deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, 12th verse, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. And he said, O oh my Lord, send, I pray you, by the hand of him who you will send. So he's still saying, not me, not my mouth. What is he saying? I don't got it. But God said he did. 
let's see what happens. The 14th verse says, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he comes to meet you. He sees you, he will be glad in his heart. And you shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth. So he's still going to work with what he can in Moses. He's still telling him, I'm still going to be with your mouth. You'll only allow me to be with your mouth that much, but I'll take it and I'll use it. But really, you should have given me place. And it angered me. It displeased me, God is saying. I have to now use Aaron to do what it was for you to do. It displeased God. But he said, I will work with your mouth. I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what you shall do. And now if we took the time, you'll find the same thing. We were told actually, um, thank you, sir. In Mark's gospel, the 13th chapter, verse 11, it touches on the principle. Jesus said, in the latter times, in the end days, when men and, and rulers seek to persecute you and, and put you before and judge you, right? He, he said, don't premeditate what you'll say. Don't think about what you'll need to say. He said, the Holy Spirit in that hour will teach you what you shall speak. This is great grace that is upon us. Hallelujah. That people look at us and they say, Never has anyone spoke like this. With boldness to the glory of God, there's great grace on them. That's us, my friends. Praise God. That's our time for today. We love you. We bless you. And we will see you soon. Hallelujah.